2: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just
1: go to their website at Current.Tech.
2: Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For 130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. time. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing, and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is Thursday, April the 19th. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined, as always, by Dave Davies
2: from Beanstalk SEO. Dave, how you doing today, brother? I am having a fantastic day so far, and uh, we've got an exciting show. Lots of news, fantastic guest uh, that I've uh, known not personally, but uh, you know, for probably uh, some odd twenty-five years, and uh, I've known of them. They haven't known of me, and
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> a lot. You know what? A-, a lot of guys of our age group says we can say exactly this about our guests today.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean i guess i guess we need to jump in because we have got just a jam-packed show today we do uh, before, and, before and, and we, we, we get in
1: dave before we jump yeah. in i've got I've, I've got to ask you a quick question what's mm-hmm. up <laughs> anyway that's that's on behalf of uh, sean sweeney uh your friend of mine sean sweeney asked me to ask you what's up next time i talk to you and it happened to be now so there you go <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not much. We've got a couple shout-outs, I guess, today. Uh, I, I'm going to give uh, give one here, uh, Mr. Boykin. It's his birthday. So, uh, happy birthday there, Jim.
1: There's a billion birthdays today, but yeah, super ninja extraordinaire, one of the originals, Jim Boykin. Happy birthday. But you know what? It's also Elizabeth Ostrander, executive features editor at Search Engine Land, and also one of the originals. It's her birthday. It's uh, Dante Monteverdes. He's the online marketing director at Website Magazine. Um, and Sean Gollier, publisher of SEMJ.org, and a super genius. Happy so,
0: birthday!
1: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was, I was worried about the birthday segment because there's just so damn many of them. Uh, what, what, what was nine months ago today? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, it seems last week there was an update that wasn't. Uh, people, a uh, number of webmasters noticed their sites sort of just like vanished from uh, from the search rankings they've been enjoying. And uh, people immediately you know, started speculating, there must be a, a Google update. This must be the over-optimization penalty that Google's been talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it turns out, according to a post over at Search Engine Roundtable today, um, Barry reports on a Matt Cutts post at Google+ suggesting last week's Google update was in fact a glitch. It was sort of a mistake. Um, Google's going after park domains. You know those, those like uh, somebody buys a website from say like GoDaddy or, or whomever and they don't actually they don't do, do anything with it, so GoDaddy sits on it for like a week or so and puts a fake search engine or you know, something up that it either redirects traffic or attracts AdWords? Yep. That's called a park domain. And uh, the web's sick with them. They're, they're all over the place. The web uh, domain expires, and while it goes into that latency period, many of the registrars use it as a parked domain to make a few bucks on the side. Well, again, the web is sick with these things. And so Google doesn't want to rank them, doesn't want them in the index. It's been going after them. And, uh, well, apparently um, their domain, parked domain page classifier was buggy. And uh, it wasn't an update after all.
2: Yeah, I, you know, we, we hit these occasionally, don't we? Where there's just an issue where you, you look and you think, how could that happen? Um, you know what, I, I, I keep calling on that quote from, uh, from your friend of mine, uh, Jeremiah, Um, a a search engine is really hard to build. It's just like, yeah, these, yeah, I can understand these things happen. And wow, it would so suck. Like, I I mean, it's easy for me to step back as not one of those sites and go, you know, it's a complicated thing. They fixed it. It's, you know, I mean, I, I can't, I guess, blame them when things go a little awry like that, as long as they catch it fast and fix it. But, uh, wow. What, what sort of deep rooted panic must set in? Uh, well, not, especially if you're one of the ones that hasn't actually done anything wrong, and then and then all of a sudden you're gone. Well,
1: indeed, um, not just that; it's a business issue. I mean, that's a, that's a day without revenues, and yeah. you know you know the margins in small business. Um, although the margin in, a, in, in the e-com business is, is is rather different, but still, a day without revenues is a day without revenues. And you're right; the, the, the sinky panic feeling. What the hell have I done wrong? Yeah. Well, you know, a bunch more webmasters may be getting sinky, panicky feelings over the next few weeks. Um, Dan Thies ran a kind of interesting experiment where he appears to have proven that Google's new uh, focus on on bad links allows for the practice of negative SEO, you know, where you go and spam your your, uh, competing websites with really bad links in the hopes that Google will hate them. Apparently now it works. I like it was said all along, we're not going to penalize you for other people's bad behavior. But according to Dan,
2: um, it can happen. He's- yeah, well, and one thing I, I found interesting in, uh, in a thread over at um, hobo-web.co.uk, um, near, the, near the bottom of the post that is covering Dan's, um, he brings up some interesting uh, points that, that one of the people in their forum had brought up. Um, when it's looking at the way Google themselves are defining things, um, like looking at their guidelines. And until recently, it was can competitors harm rankings? There's nothing a competitor can do to harm your rankings or have your site removed. Then in November, it was adjusted to there's almost nothing a competitor can do. Um, and then on March 14th, it was switched to Google works hard to prevent other webmasters, blah, blah, blah. Right? So just these subtle. Subtle little changes there reflecting, you know, sort of exactly what we're seeing now. Um, and I mean, it's it's a it's sort of a, a problematic world we're entering into. I mean, Google's obviously going to have to fix this. I mean, that, this is just you know, wide open, huge problems, um, that are possible from this. Uh, you know, my ability to harm my my competitors and the, the competitors of, of my clients, um, you know, with unethical SEO that's that's a problem.
1: Well, indeed. But, you know, we saw in a response that Matt Cutts uh, gave to, I think gave to a question from either Dan Thies or Barry Swartz. Google noticed the problem. They're taking it seriously. Um, These things happen. As you you said earlier, building a search engine is very, very hard. So um, we'll see. Uh, But in the meantime, watch your inbound link counts. If you've got competitors who you feel kind of squidgly about, well, again, watch those inbound link counts um if there's a sudden rise in them, you may see a sudden decrease in your rankings um again, watch for it. so where do we want to go next? We have um yeah know about six seven minutes left just to rag the puck around uh it, we don't we try to stray away from getting too political on this show, but i gotta i I gotta note this one because this is, this is just too stupid not to note um. Toronto has a uh, a mayor that makes the village idiot look brilliant, and Toronto's village idiot today made it to the pages of Boing Boing. See, um, it's 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 hard to describe the effect of um, uh, 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 of of this mayor. He just doesn't get it. He, he's he's lost control of the city agenda. He's lost he's lost council, and he's a uh, Again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to describe him politically. He's just not a good mayor. But he has decided to come up with a app for the iPhone, an iPhone only, I'm afraid, that will allow people to report graffiti. And the city will send a notice to the building on which the graffiti is uh, is painted, uh, telling them to clean it up, or the city will come and clean it up for them and, and, and build the business. Now... This might seem like a you know a strategic way to take on graffiti in the city, except the mayor is charging a dollar ninety nine. I mean to download the app. Um, much of the graffiti is actually anti mayor Ford graffiti, and it's being treated in the Toronto media as the Rat on Your Neighbor app. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cory Doctorow, one of the one of the, uh, the 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 editors at Boing Boing and co author of the Clue Train Manifesto, you know that document that sort of mm-hmm. kicked e commerce in the ass like back in nineteen ninety four. He he mentioned Toronto's Dingleberry Mayor, and I think he was being really polite in a post at Boing Boing today. I'd like to share it with the people who are listening in the chat room and, uh, like, folks, seriously, it's just the. A, 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 Anyone who's got an election coming up, look at what happened in Toronto, and then think really hard before making the quick populist choice. That's all I'm going to say on that. But it was definitely worth mentioning. Um, and besides what, I got to call part uh, Rob Ford uh, a Dingleberry on live on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I like days like this. Uh, Rob Ford is almost as good as the uh, the, the, the Google result for Santorum. You know. <laughs> the one noting that Centaurum well, you know what, it doesn't matter anymore. Centaurum is irrelevant. I don't even yep. I don't need to say that ever again live on the radio.
2: No, and uh you know what, our our listeners can can be thankful for that.
1: <laughs> I know, but it was so much fun. Okay. Um speaking of so much fun. Uh Neil Patrisa, a uh a guest on on Webcology had to be almost like two years ago. This was the fellow who was publishing the blog, A Thousand Awesome Things. And, you know, it's it's listeners know, I love this guy. This guy makes me very, very, very happy. And it had to happen eventually. And it so happens, it happened um, about 12 hours ago. Neil hit number one. And the most awesome thing in the world is whatever you think it is. Uh, Neil has finally finished his 1,000-day series of Love Notes to the World with the completion of his 1,000 Awesome Things blog. So, like, every day for the last 1,000 days, Neil Paspich has posted a new look at something he thought was wonderfully awesome in the world around him. So, like, we spoke to Neil. that was 2009. It was just a really short segment. But, man, it was a sweet interview. And uh, he was one of the nicest people I think we've ever had the pleasure of virtually meeting on this show. And so friends, he's going to leave the blog up. if you guys who are ever down in the dumps need something to cheer you up or just need to be reminded that everything around you is actually kind of awesome,
2: check out this website. it'll put a huge smile on your face yeah it is uh, it is definitely great, and uh, I mean, I got to say if, if you're Neil, um, hitting publish for that thousandth time has got to be, <laughs> has got to be up there among uh uh among the top thousand or uh yeah among the most awesome things just uh to relieve that that pressure. But he's got some great book deals out of it and uh I did hear rumors, uh, rumors, it's it's right on his uh in, from him but in the comments on uh on his blog today that coming up in June um there's gonna be another announcement on there. Who knows what it's uh what it's gonna be but uh, that, uh there's something else. He he's got something else in the works so I look forward to that.
1: Yeah I'll bet five bucks it's a Disney movie. Um, just trying to imagine how you do a, a thousand awesome things in one hour and 90 minutes. Uh, OK, moving on, da, 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 da. Uh, public network. the public network, because you know, anyone with a little bit of cash to burn, or you know maybe a little bit of maybe those who didn't buy Google when you should have, Facebook's IPO is almost certainly going to happen Thursday, May 17th. Or Thursday, May twenty fourth. Uh, today, TechCrunch is reporting from quote unquote multiple sources, all suggesting the social network goes public on May seventeenth or May twenty fourth. And uh, earlier, Search Engine Watch was um, quoting a source from Instagram, who was saying, "Remember last week, Dave? You were saying that like after the IPO, Facebook is going to be worth um, over a hundred billion dollars." Yeah. You were off by four billion, chum. They're going to be—they're now rumored to be worth 104 billion dollars. <laughs> so all the stuff you were saying about Instagram upping the value of the IPO
2: may well have been—may well
1: have been dead accurate.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, you know, good for that. I—I I, still—we've been through this before, and I know we've got a guest on hold, and we got to do a commercial break here soon. But I—I'll I, yep. just be sort of shaking my head, going, "I, I don't understand <laughs> how, how we got to to here economically," but. Hey, there we go, $104 billion. for <laughs> Dems to boil.
1: Okay, um, before anybody else does it, I'm claiming credit for it. I got a new word. I, w- I, want this in, I want this in the lexicon. I want this in the English language. It was a product name, but they didn't mean it this way. Um, to twedit. T-W-E-D-I-T. To twedit. You ever, like, you're on Twitter, and somebody puts up something that you really badly want to retweet, but... You can't do it because their message was too long, so you have to try to, you know, uh, truncate their message? Yep. Well, when you're, when you're doing that, when you're shortening their message so that you can retweet it and have their name in and your name in, you're tweeting. <laughs> what do you think? You know,
2: I, I, I actually, I, I think that's, that's pretty bright because I do that all the time, right? Yep. People who just extend it too much, and when you want to retweet it, it doesn't work. Um, yeah, no, we, I, I, I'll... You own the word. Okay, all you people out
1: there at Radio Land, you know it. There is a patent going to be pending on that, and I own it. I'm copywriting that. Um, I'm uh, trading that. Um, I'm protecting this. Uh, don't don't twet it. It's mine. Yeah. Thanks, Brasco. New word, <laughs> twet it. Okay, and lastly, the dick-in-the-box jokes finally came true. It's kind of sad, although i got to admit the headline was pretty funny. Um... Fond farewell to Dick Clark, the, uh, the guy who popularized rock and roll, uh, pioneering promoter, uh, producer, all-around entertainer. Dick Clark died yesterday at age 82 of a massive heart attack, and, you know, that's, that stuff should
2: be noted. Yep. Yeah. It is kind of sad. I mean, he lived a long and, and good life, but, you
1: know. Yeah. New Year's Eve just isn't going to be the same. No. You know, I was going to make a Ryan Sequest joke, but I can't. I can't. Dick Clark, I, I can't make smart-ass remarks about him beyond Dick in a box. He got be, <laughs> that's really funny. Um, okay, on that, we're going to take a break here on Webcology on, Web on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around, folks. I'm getting all tongue-tied about this, but we have the one and only Erica M. coming up after this break. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from BeanSock SEO. You're listening to Webcology on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned. Back after these messages.
2: Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break.
0: As you know, being an expert at (gasps) f**k...
1: What did she say?
0: ...requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f**k? Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f**k. Performance to the next level. The
1: language.
0: Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Acquisio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Acquisio.com to get a demo today. Acquisio, search, social, display, one platform. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day.
2: On the interstate of internet marketing, CPAWay helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPAWay is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at CPAWay.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. Get addicted. Get ahead. Off. Now back to Webcology. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're the host Jim Hedger and
1: Dave
0: Davies.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SCO. And we are joined by Erica M. And you know, if you grew up in Canada, this is kind of a big deal. Erica M. is a journalist, TV personality, a writer, and a composer. She is one of the most recognizable names in Canadian media, a name which precedes one of the most recognizable faces in Canadian media. Now, when I was a kid, Erica M. represented rock and roll to uh, well to a certain generation of Canadians. One of the pioneers of the video jockey format, Erica was the quintessential Queen Street rock and roll it girl of the of the 1980s and early 90s. Since then, she's written, hosted, or acted in several films, plays, and television shows become a renowned country music producer and or composer it is now raising a growing family and has become the founding publisher of a rather large online lifestyle magazine as a means of full disclosure i've got to admit to getting uh, kind of a teenage boy giddy feeling upon finding out she was <laughs> going to be a digital always media client so full disclosure folks she's my client we're helping her with her newest venture the yummy mummy club erica m welcome to webcology
0: Okay, so the first thing you have to do is call it yummymummyclub.ca. Okay, from now on, that's how we refer to it. Okay, since you're, since you're working for me, this is how we ah, refer to it. I'm
1: working with you. Okay, working I know I'm you. so bossy. I'll consult it, I'll help Very go. Okay, the yummymummyclub.ca. Um, very quickly, what is the yummymummyclub.ca? Uh,
0: very simply, it's an online magazine that's written by moms for moms, to help us navigate the uh roller coaster ride of motherhood. It's really a lifestyle online destination seen through the prism of motherhood because once you become a mom, you see the world differently. So we have articles, you know, food and fitness and style and politics and parenting but all through the eyes written by and for moms.
1: How many writers do you think you have, you know, blogging with the Mummy, Yummy Mummy Club?
0: Well, we have about 40 bloggers, and then we have um, a ton of our readers, moms, also submit articles and share their stories and their expertise for us.
1: Okay, now, when, when, I did a lot of research before, before the show went on, and admittedly, quite a bit of research after finding out you're going to be a Digital Always Media client, and one of the bios I found for you accentuates... Uh, reinvention, creativity, and self-empowerment. Now, those words can be used to describe survival as a writer or an entertainer. Your career started before the Internet era, and it's you know, spanned into the Internet era. Has the web given you more freedom, more choices, or less?
0: Oh, my God. How can anyone say less? I am exactly a writer no, and an entertainer, <laughs> and I've combined those two to create a, a world an online world that I live in um, much of the day and some of the night as well. Uh, YummyMummyClub.ca has become <laughs> my connection to women all across North America. We live there. We, we write there. We play there. We learn from each other. We celebrate, commiserate. Um, it's allowed me to create this community. And not only that, it allowed me to create a platform for moms, and it's given me a tool to start a business and a very successful business as well.
1: You know, com- coming into this segment, I described you as a web publisher, but um, th- th- does that title actually fit your role?
0: 100%. When I first started six years ago, I was the writer, editor, um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, anything. I was the salesperson. I was everything. It was just me in my bedroom um, furiously creating content and trying to connect with women um, about this uh, need to feel guilty about motherhood and the fact that we don't take time for ourselves and then we fail as parents because we're so riddled with guilt and so exhausted. So I really was on a mission to connect with moms and tell them that, You're not alone. We all feel the same way and we have to redefine motherhood for our generation. So I did it all myself and when I hit about 300 pages and was um, close to being entirely exhausted, I started to hire people. So the first person I hired was about four years ago. Her name is Karen Elliott. I met her on Craigslist and she still works for me. But since then, the website staff has grown to about 12. So as your staff grows roles change. And now I'm not in my business. I'm working on the business, if you will. So I'm growing a business um, and I'm now in charge. I think of myself almost like a TV producer so that my job is to make sure that everybody who is doing their job understands the voice and vision of what we're doing, that everyone is happy, that they're creating at their optimal best, and that I am helping to grow the vision and the voice and our readers and expand um, yummymummyclub.ca. That's my job. So really much more like a film or TV producer.
1: Okay, so you, you've marshaled the, the, the efforts of, of all these writers um, under a, over a dozen different headings. How did, uh, how did you decide to originally start publishing on the web? Like, why, You have so many avenues of media. Why the web?
0: I think it's because of my mom. <laughs> my mom is uh, a freak of nature. When she was in her mid-40s, she started to travel, and she started a travel fanzine. And then somehow, some I don't know, God talked to her or something, and she went digital. Like when she was in her mid fifties or sixty. And my mom has no history with computers. And yet she started this online magazine called Journey Woman, which to this day is one of the most popular online destinations for women in travel. My mom is seventy two and basically runs the whole thing herself. She has a few people that help her out, but she does it herself. Huge audience, huge reach. So when I was hosting a TV show called Yummy Mummy, which had that same theme of reminding women that they are uh, good enough and that they shouldn't feel guilty, etc., cetera, um, m- my mom had this online property. So I kind of copied her and started my own little online um, site. And now my mom and I are in total competition. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's winning, by the way.
1: Okay. Now, there's a lot of people who want to get into online publishing, but they, well, the revenue models are really intimidating. What's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you in the way of revenue models?
0: Well, I think the most basic thing in terms of turning your online property into something that's going to generate revenue is really simple. Don't do things for free. Everybody does all this stuff for the PR agencies and companies who send them gift baskets and, you know, you could do this free contest for us and you'll get lots of readers. I think that it's time for you to put your foot down and say, well, that's called advertising and so I will charge you for that service. So for me, when I run a contest, seven different people touch that contest. That's an awful lot of labor that goes into something that I would be doing for free. Unfortunately, I can't eat the prize or pay my mortgage with that prize. So for me, I need PR companies or advertising agencies to pay us for our expertise and for the audience that we've curated.
2: Well, that's... (laughs) That's some great advice. What do you do with, um, like? I, I mean, I, I, I've been through here. There's just a, a whack of different content, whack of different types of stories. And if you go back, you, you can see it—you uh, know—really spreading out. You note know that you've got, say, fifty or forty or fifty authors. How do you decide what makes it in and what doesn't?
0: Uh, most of it makes it in. the The curation is what makes it to the top. So. We rarely tell someone that their article is not good enough because if it's, you know, um, a good enough story and it's their point of view and it's, it's their experience, it's valid. So we're not here to judge what's the best and therefore, you know, you're not good enough to be on Yummy Mummy Club. However, the, the really good content gets featured on the uh, main content hubs. How do you
1: distribute the main content hubs? Like, how does that, those hubs, get out to your audience?
0: Well, interestingly enough, about three years ago, uh, th- this guy who I met on Facebook, who I'd never met in real life, he Facebooked me because he was my Facebook friend. I don't even know why I said okay to him because I didn't know him. And oh, I do know why because he wrote me a lovely introduction. That's why. I'm very picky about who will be a Facebook friend. And he kept in touch with me on Facebook and he was so interesting and one day he said to me Erica you need to join Twitter now and i said what is it he explained sort of loosely what it is and he said i will teach you so don't be afraid so i jumped onto twitter and really it was like um a, a duck accommodating to water if you will it was like oh I get to talk directly to the readers now in real time and have conversations with them and share what is on my website but also hear their responses immediately. So I fell in love with Twitter, and it basically changed my business. It changed my website from being just pushing content to having a real conversation. And in fact, when we redesigned the website this past December, we changed the whole focus of the website. And now, yummymummyclub.ca, where moms spill it. So, in other words, it's not just us pushing, but the comments and the forums and the tips that our readers present, and that is the conversation that we're bringing onto Yummy Mummy Club, as well as having it in social media. How do
1: you help forward the careers of your writers, of the people who are participating in the yummymommyclub.ca?
0: Uh, you know, that is so key for me. Um, when the people who work for Yummy Mummy Club as writers don't work for us full-time, they all have a, an agenda. When they work, when they write for us, they're not doing it just for the money because it's not very lucrative writing for online magazines. But what they're each doing is hopefully building their brand their own personal brand, to help them. And they all have, again, a different agenda. So, for example, Dr. Kim Foster, who's a pediatrician or a family doctor with two children. She lives in Victoria, B.C. She's writing for us because she wants to expand her her personal uh, brand of being um, a doctor, well-known doctor, a TV personality, a radio personality, that kind of thing. So it's helping. We're helping um, extend her voice to an audience that wouldn't otherwise know her. Sharon DeVellis, who uh, you've met, is our mm-hmm. head writer. And I met her four and a half years ago when she entered one of our contests and, and was so incredibly talented that I begged her to come and work for me. She had no experience in the online world, but was so uber talented as a writer She started off as my assistant and eventually became our head writer, and eventually she was the editor of Yummy Mummy Club. She quit being the editor. She just wanted to write, so once again, she's our head writer. What it's also done for her, though, is she's writing for other publications as well and getting paid for that, and she's also developing a very strong social media persona. And she started her own blog, Speed Skating Mom, and that's her own personal passion. And that's sort of a- another aspect of her that she's trying to bring to life. So for me, I want all of our readers to use Yummy Mummy Club and our breadth of readers to build their own personal brands, whatever it is, and get what they want out of it. Because really, it's not about the money.
1: Well, actually, in some cases it is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it. Friends, we have to take a break here on uh, Webmaster Radio FM. We've got to take a commercial break right now. Um, thank you, Erica, for the wonderful segue to commercial. On behalf of Dave Davis from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. Again, you listen to Webcology on Webmaster Radio FM. Stay tuned. Back after
2: these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries into the 16th Annual International Web Award Competition. Independent judges from around the world recognize the best websites from nearly 100 industries web awards winners receive an image plaque certificate of achievement higher visibility for your company valuable feedback from our expert judges and links to your site from the highly ranked web awards site you can't win if you don't enter sign up now at www.webaward.org
1: myseotool.com is your all-in-one seo management resource MySEOtool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOtool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try MySEOtool risk-free today. Go to MySEOtool.com. MySEOtool.com
2: webmasterradio.fm Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24/7. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here the host Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. Uh you know for an all geek all the time radio station we we get the funniest technical glitches and for most of the last segment Dave and I were hearing incredible echoes in our in our earphones as we were speaking so i think things might be a little less bouncy now um our guest Erica M the uh web publisher of the yummy mummy club.ca and uh you know Erica we're rounding we're rounding out the show we got about 10 minutes left um I, I'd be really remiss if I, if, I, if I didn't go back to the past. And what I'm most curious about, you spent 10 years being re- remarkably uh, recognizable on Canadian TV. And then, you know, you transitioned um, stage acting, uh, 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 being on television, and interestingly, country music composer. But I'm, I'm curious, how, how is the transition from being the star to being the producer?
0: I love it I absolutely adore it when I was working at Much Music, people thought that I was a party girl and the various other stereotypes that go along with girls and rock and roll which is unfortunate and my mom used to just smile and say ask my daughter what she's reading and then walk away with her nose up in the air (laughs) you know because um, when I worked in the world of rock and roll one assumes that you are sort of who you interview in a way Uh, When I left Much Music and I had so many skills that I had acquired being there and all the other jobs that I've done along the way, I've been able to create something that is unabashedly mine. So before, I used to be known as that girl from Much Music. Now, people look at me in a different way and they said, you did this? You started it? Well, for those people who know me, it makes sense. For those who don't know me, it's somewhat of a surprise that the girl on TV is actually able to be a fierce businesswoman and a visionary, especially in the digital world, where I had no experience. Having said that, I think what's interesting, Jim, is that when I worked at MuchMusic, I do believe that City TV and Much Music was precursor to social media, because when we did television, the audience was of utmost importance. We had the utmost respect for the audience. And despite the lack of technology that allowed us to truly communicate with our audience, we did things like, you know, those phoners, like people would uh, would call in and we would do those uh, conversations where we'd give away prizes or play their RSVP um, requests, or when we would do the interviews but open up the window and allow people to, in a way, participate in the interviews that to me is social media that's that's having engagement with your audience so i had that kind of experience i think before most people and i think that's part of the success that i'm experiencing now is because to me i understand i believe that that media should be democratized and you don't speak at your audience; you speak with your audience, and you build a community. That's what City TV did, and Much Music did, and that's what uh, YummyMummyClub.ca does. I hope.
1: You know, I, I didn't mean to, to, to ask this question I'm about to ask, but I've got it now. That now that you've uh, mentioned City TV, one of my heroes in media is Moses Neimer, um, I, But I think one of the most innovative uh, television visionaries of all time. How much of his ethos has rubbed off on you uh, after much music later into your career?
0: So what's really interesting is I noticed after about two years of running YMC that I had adopted some of his principles. And I'll be specific. When Moses hired or hires his on-air staff, his philosophy was he looks for people with passion And he doesn't actually care uh, what what your background in broadcasting is. His thing was to find people who were truly engaged and passionate about a particular topic. And he always said, the broadcasting skills will come. That's what he did with me. I was like DJing in bars when I was 16 years old. But I didn't really have a lot of broadcast experience. But he knew that my heart was in the right place and that I would pick it up, which I eventually did. So for me, when I was, when, and continue to accumulate these bloggers, these women from coast to coast, I would just meet people in the strangest places, and there was something about them that exuded some passion about a particular topic. And then I would ask them to blog for me, and their jaws would drop, and they'd go, Me? I've, I've never written for a website before. I said, Yeah, I don't care. You have it. You understand it. You get it. You love it. Give it a try. And I'm really happy that so many of the people who I sort of, in quotation marks, discovered have either stayed with me and really grown their audience or have left because they have real careers now because they started at Yummy Mummy Club. That's huge for me.
2: Now, uh, something I've got to ask, and I... I you yeah, Competing with Jim to, to ask uh, you know sort of sort of the last question here, we were talking for for a minute about social media, and I you can well, you were talking about the lack of it sort of back in uh, you know when you were uh, a VJ, um, but but still needing that connection, and 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 you're paying attention to your visitors is obviously very clear for anybody who's, who's visited your site, your your social media is. Without being invasive, quite prominent, um, and and I had to ask because uh, of the you know you've included Pinterest as your number three in, in the left hand side. I mean by demographic the breakdown just just matches <laughs> your your target market perfectly. How are you finding Pinterest as a as a traffic source? Are are your users
0: okay? This is so funny. You're going okay. I have like I don't know personally about fifty people following me. I don't even have one thing posted on Pinterest. Having said that, uh, Eileen Fisher, who is our social media person, is obsessed with Pinterest and has been for the last six months. So before everybody was on, Eileen was like a little bird nesting on Pinterest, putting up all her boards. Same thing with another one of our bloggers, Sarah Gunn, whose blog is called Wall Candy. She's a design blogger. So they were really into it before it sort of um, exploded. Uh, So I think what's so interesting for me is that Yummy Mummy Club thinks with our heart and then our heads follow. So Eileen and Sarah didn't go to Pinterest because it was going to be the next important social media destination. They did it because they thought it was so cool because we are our audience and then Everybody else found it, and so now all of our friends and potential new friends are on Pinterest, as well as Twitter and Facebook, etc. cetera. But I, my point being that we didn't strategize it. It just happened because it was the right place for us to be because that's where moms went. Moms liked that, that stuff, so we're there.
2: Well, you know, and that, and that makes sense, I, I, I suppose, if you're, if you're writers and if you're staff, are all heading to, to a specific place because they find it interesting. Right. Since they are your demographic.
0: Yeah. And, you um, know, it's interesting because when you asked earlier about, um, about uh, making money online, we have a ton of sponsored content on the website. So if, if an advertiser PR company comes to us and says, hey, would you like to write a sponsored blog? There's a process that we go through. First of all, I learn about the product. And then I think about who would be the right blogger to write about it. I call that blogger and I say, uh, for example, um, let's, let's give an example. Shoppers Drug Mart is doing a Mother's Day promotion and they would like you to write about makeup. Are you interested? And my blogger says, I don't, I don't like that that program or I don't like makeup or I love shoppers drug mart count me in now I know each of my bloggers personally so I know what their likes and dislikes are and so I sort of match make the product and the service with the blogger and then when we work with the actual client they can give us their messaging but it's up to the blogger to use what they want to use and to and to make sure that it comes from a really authentic point of view where they actually do like the product and do experience and they write about it. Not only do we do that, but whenever we have anything that's sponsored, so if anyone ever pays us to have us write about their product, a little sign drops down on the the actual piece of content that says sponsored stuff on the top. I think we're the only people that does this. And it's this groovy little sign that comes down And um, at the bottom of the... So you're warned. When you're reading it, clearly we have been paid for this. And at the bottom, there's a big description about the client. So we don't hide it. We're not embarrassed. We We like the products and the services that we write about. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. But I think that's the whole... That's really important about... Just you have to celebrate who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And... There's no problem making money for, from it as long as it's true.
1: Moving into the last couple of questions and Dave I, ha- I might scoop you on the last few questions here bro sorry <laughs> um, how do you measure su- success for the yummymummyclub.ca, mummy Club.CA Erica
0: um, well this Jim you you know because you and I have been talking about it I think th- there's a couple there's a couple of things for sure it's the number of people who come to the website and for how long they're going to stay on, which is how long they stay engaged. It's really important to me. So for me, growing our reach is paramount, but also equally important is the engagement on the website. The the, uh, comments that people leave, the contests that they enter, the articles that they write for us, that to me is a sign of success because it means that these people are relating to what we're saying or, in some cases, not relating and writing angry comments, which is equally valid because we want to hear everyone's voice. Um, so, to me, that's what it is. It's the, it's the breadth and the engagement.
1: And over the years, have, um, have you been happy with the, with the growth of uh, YummyMummyClub.ca? Are there certain channels that are growing faster than others? And if so, how do you promote um, slower channels?
0: I'm not happy. I mean, I'm I have I'm incredibly ambitious and demanding of myself. So, yes, we're growing and yes, it's much bigger and yes, we're now working with metro magazine or newspapers across the country and we're we're doing all these really amazing partnerships with brands, etc. But it's not big enough for me and it's hard because I'm not part of one of those consortiums that has many different websites and you get to use each other's traffics and I'm independent. It's me and a bunch of moms in our kitchens from coast to coast creating this really kick-ass website that speaks to moms. But I don't have extra dollars to invest in all this hot new technology or in marketing campaigns, etc. So, you know, I have to rely on things like SEO and social media and um, word of mouth to build. And um, if you have any other ideas, I'm open. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, that's... We'll have to look at the contract before we talk about <laughs> that. Jeez, <laughs> um, my smart-ass my smart remark just knocked me off my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see the YummyMummyClub.ca two or three years from now? Um, I, I think this is going to have to be our last question. I'm getting the, uh, the notes from the studio. So looking ahead a couple years from now, where do you want to see YummyMummyClub.ca?
0: Uh, I want to be uh, more of a content producer in the world of webisodes and television because my background has been in TV and um, I I get it. I get the visual and the storytelling, etc. Not that I want to be in them, but again, I want to create um, a cast of characters like we did at, um, at City TV and at Much Music, and to create content that will resonate with modern moms, not insipid, stupid um you know, self-help stuff that everybody is doing now, but real engaging, funny, uh, real um, and sometimes absurd TV that really reflects who modern mothers are today. That would be really exciting. And, of course, I want to be 82 times bigger and make sure that every mom in Canada wants to be a part of YMC.
1: Well, you know, there's at least one other Webmaster webmasterradio.fm show who I know wants uh, want, wants a crack at interviewing you if, you, if you'd be so kind. I know we want you back again in the future, but I'm afraid we have to sort of uh, uh, close it off. Now, Dave, you know what? We have a couple minutes. If you have any other question,
2: uh, you get to scoop me. It's all yours, bro. Well, you know what? i, I, I um, I'm interested. Actually, I'm going to go back to social media, and I know it's it's about following uh, following the trends. But can you give any tips to our to our listeners who who may also have sort of um, publishing based websites or or information based websites on how to use it? How do you build your your overall strategy other than just using it? How do you decide what is worthwhile from a business standpoint, and and what areas and are not in the area of, of social media?
0: Well, I think it's all about relationships. I mean, that's what social media is. So if you're not prepared to be there, when you tweet something out to respond to it, don't bother doing it. It's insulting. It's like starting a conversation and walking away before the other person has a chance to answer. So that would be my first comment is, if you want to be in something like Twitter, make sure that you really understand what you're getting yourself into. Uh, for me, sometimes people literally ask me, So who tweets for you, Erica? Because I'm such a prolific tweeter. I'm there, you know, all day. I carry my my, uh, iPhone with me. I have my laptop. I have my desktop. I have my iPad. I'm tweeting. I'm there for you. So people can, can reach out to me and connect with me and show me their blogs or their products or their services. And then I tweet out like mad the content because we have so much new content on a daily basis. But I try and contextualize it so that people will find what's interesting to them. So I think really the most important thing is if you decide to step into social media, you have to really commit to it and participate in it. Um, And you're not just selling. You're engaging and creating relationships with the people that you're tweeting with. And, like, I know so many people now by their Twitter names, and when I meet them in real life, I don't know their real names, but I meet them and I make sure that there is a connection. And I've made so many genuine new friends and hired so many people through Twitter because I use it almost as, like, blind dating. So, and I, I, think, I think you have to, again, lead with your heart. And um, you can throw a little bit of sort of uh, business in there, but that needs to be such a small part of social media because if people feel like they're being sold, they'll unfollow you. <laughs>
1: And okay, and on that, I can hear the uh, the Shepherd's Crook music in the background. Erica M., uh, proprietor and founder and publisher of the Yummy Mummy Club.ca. Thank you so much for spending time with us on Webcology today. Um, Dave, I got a new slogan for Digital Always Media now uh, out of this interview <laughs> What's Digital that? Always Media clients get it. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs>
2: That's <laughs> so- awesome.
1: That was great advice on social media. I, I, Erica, really appreciate that. Um, friends, there will not be a webcology next week. I'm at the SMX Toronto Conference, and Dave is at that amazing uh, geek conference that's going down in Calgary. So we won't be here next week. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Uh, until then, stay tuned to webmasterradio.fm and check out the Club.ca. More great content coming up after the news.